Hello, hello. Welcome, Sunshine Wilder fans. Welcome. Today's episode is a double episode to cover last week's hiatus for winter break. An amazing, and I truly mean amazing, two hours of a topic in which we can all relate. Comedy. This week on the podcast, we have Corey Allen Tate, a dear friend of mine, a stand-up comic based in Los Angeles. Raised in the Midwest, in and around Chicago, he has an interesting perspective on life, love, and laughs. A true talent and authentic human being, Corey's here to discuss the impact of comedy on the human experience and what it's like to actually take the leap of faith in believing in oneself and one's dreams, and what it truly means to bet everything on ourselves. I am honored and filled with gratitude to welcome Corey Tate. How are you doing? Hey, Sunny, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, yeah, yours too. It's kind of been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long, long time. I mean, I know we've known each other virtually forever, yeah. but, <laughs> but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if I've actually spoken to you like directly. Yeah, I think maybe like uh maybe instagram like voice messaging but not like a, a full oh, link yeah 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 <laughs> okay so this is our first like real conversation that's exciting yeah, yeah it's super awesome uh yeah i'm excited for your podcast this is great <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank yeah. you i'm glad to have you here um <laughs> i just we explore really cool just interesting things it's just about being a human being so i know yeah. You're a comedian and you're <laughs> super cool. And thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to have you on. So welcome. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for coming. Um, so what first inspired you to pursue comedy? I know everybody has a different reason for getting into comedy. So you actually do stand up, you script write, you do all kind mm. of things. So <laughs> what per <laughs> what inspired you to to go into comedy? Yeah, so I think that I always just loved entertaining people and it also just gave me in return the same feeling that I gave them which is like joy and pleasure. Um, mm. I remember like uh, being in maybe sixth grade, I was like the class clown. I, I even had like a catchphrase <laughs> that I can't remember right now, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I had like had the whole class saying it. Um, uh, but yeah, I always just like really loved um, making people laugh, even like my parents and my siblings making them laugh. And again, in return, I would feel like that same bubbly feeling of making people laugh. Um, and then I discovered stand-up comedy uh, a little, like, in early 20s or something. Uh, okay. Do, yeah, I, I went to do my first open mic uh, in Chicago. Um, it was okay. You know, it was a bunch of jokes. <laughs> that <laughs> It wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> it was right, maybe, like, yeah. three, three people there or something like that. Um, <laughs> right. Hey, um, it's a start, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it definitely gave me, like, that bug that they talk about in show business where, like, mm -hmm. you know, um, like, the bug bit you kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, then I did my, like, first open mic, and then after that, it just kept going from there. <laughs> that's really exciting yeah. I 
as you know, I haven't actually done a, a set yet. Like I really want to, but I, there's, there's been some limiting factors, but yeah, I know it's really exciting, but I also think it's a little bit scary. So yeah, it can I be. mean, but yeah, it, can, it, can be. <laughs> it definitely, definitely can be. Um, so like when you were young, how did you know you were funny? Was it just that everybody was responding to you so positively? Like you were just hilarious or how did that go for you? Um, actually, I think it was, um, you know how they say like middle child syndrome, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. so yeah. like, yeah, so like my brother was, of course, he, you know, basically got to do what he wanted to do. He's like the first child. So, um, and then my sister was, uh, you know, the youngest, so she kind of gets away with everything as a kid. And I felt like, oh man, like I got to stand out some way. Right. Um, <laughs> can't so, have all these people taking the attention yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah. um but no that's real though I, I feel like um I definitely just wanted like extra attention and I started even to the point where in school I would like act up a little bit and, and was mm -hmm. saw was seen as like a troublemaker just because I wanted to make the class laugh mm -hmm. um, so I guess I knew honestly um, because your family really doesn't laugh as much as outsiders do. But I think school, the students at school let me know that I was kind of funny. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah. I know yeah. both of my boys. Um, <laughs> they're seven and 10. And they're oh, both yeah. are super into making people laugh, super into comedy, <laughs> super into um, being the funny, the funny guy. And I'm just yeah. like, how did I get two of you? How did, <laughs> how, did, how did I get two of you that need the same thing that I need? Like, this is a yeah. lot, like we have a whole family. That's a lot. <laughs> so, that's so, hilarious. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad though, that you found like your, your niche among your peers. Like Thanks. that's, that's really cool. And you actually ended up carrying that with you throughout your life into adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> so that's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> so how does your inner child, like little Corey <laughs> inside, <laughs> feel about your choices to pursue comedy and writing? Like now that you're a 30 something year old man, like how does how does your inner inner child feel about that? Um, actually, I think he'd be pretty excited, um, especially, <laughs> you know, younger Corey grew up like watching all different kinds of like TV shows and movies, but never knew that on the other side of that, that there were like jobs out there to like, you know, write, direct, produce. I was just a, you know, like a fan. So mm -hmm. um, I think younger Corey would be very excited to know that older Corey is pursuing the thing that he loved so much as a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing, amazing <laughs> yeah. feeling. There's something just like so fulfilling about yeah. having a dream as a kid and then walking through that dream into adulthood because I think we see so many of our friends mm -hmm. and family members who had to give up those ambitions or yeah. like something kind of sidetracked it for them. And when you have something special, you can hold on to, and you're, you know, yeah. um, 20 years later, you're still doing it and you're on stage and you're like, yeah, <laughs> this is it for me. Like, this is where I belong. It's, it's yeah. a really fulfilling feeling. Yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely true. It's just like, um, you know, I think that a lot of people might think that the thing that they want to do is kind of hard, which, of course, there are levels of where it's going to be difficult. But mm -hmm. 
you know, you just have to keep going. And, you know, I don't think anyone who's ever made it in the field that they made it in, um, you know, they ever gave up. Obviously, they wouldn't be where they are if they ever gave up when it got really hard. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's it's a really good thing to have. I feel like I yeah. that's one thing that I'm proud of that with like my comedy writing yeah. It is something that I wanted to do since I was young and mm. just knowing that I can write, even if nobody reads it, just knowing that I can do that and that I hone mm. that craft and I feel good. Cause like now I even write for myself. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yes. That's so, amazing. Yeah, like that's, I, I always thought that was great. Like just yeah. to have that. Um, so what did your family and friends have to say when you told them you decided to like actually pursue a stand up career? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, <laughs> actually a, a great example is when I uh, left Chicago and moved to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working this job for about like six years, and you know at that mm-hmm. point you, you're kind of locked in. It's just like, all right, this is what this is what I'm gonna do. This is like, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily forever, but it's gonna be long term. Mm-hmm. And like, I think maybe two weeks before I moved to LA, I was just like. I'm burned out. I, I can't do this job anymore. You know, I quit mm. it, quit the job. And um, I think that some people probably thought like, oh, wow, he's really going to risk it all. Like not necessarily did believe in me, but just saying like, that's a big step to take. Um, right. Which, which I understand. I would feel the same way about like my friends or my family. Um, mm-hmm. But all in all, it was a lot of support though. I, I definitely will say that family and friends definitely supported me for sure. That's great to hear. And I feel like, I feel like sometimes we're too quick to like judge about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I guess it's like a societal issue, but um, I'm super big into like supporting friends who want to pursue dreams. It's like you yeah. only live once, you know, right. Um, why not be happy when you're doing it? I mean, if you're working a job where you're burned out and you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Why not? I mean, yeah. you know, go for it. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's real. I, that's why I always try to support people who tell me that they want to do things because, like, I know what it's like to be in a position, and, you know, wanting to do something and uh, no one's really supporting you. Again, my mm-hmm. family and friends were, but, like, outsiders were, like, like, like it, when I left that job, for instance, I'm pretty sure there were people, like, oh, yeah, go for it. But then their hair is, they were, like, what the heck is he doing? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, I always just want to support others' dreams because I know what it's like to be in that position. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we think it's a big ask of the universe, like, to go ahead and support us with that and just be like, I know this sounds crazy, but I I really want to do this. And sometimes we're kind of thinking inside, like, there's no way, like, there's no (laughs) fucking way it's going to be me, like... (laughs) Oh, wow. We can curse on this podcast. I'm excited. Oh, yes, babe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're a comedian. I knew I knew when we got together, it was going to be like that. So, yeah, you can you can say you can say say whatever. (laughs) If I have to put the explicit little thing, I will. It's not a big deal. but yeah, I I just I feel like sometimes we just get so wrapped up and we're like, oh, it's not. I mean, I yeah. want this, but mm-hmm. I get it if it's not going to be me. Like this is a big ask to go and yeah. do this move halfway across the country and and yeah. pursue something I want to pursue with you know very little um, planning or you know everything like that. So it's yeah, it, it can be daunting, but 
good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely tough. I mean, I probably took like all of my savings to come here and like didn't have like a um, solid solid place to stay. I was doing like Airbnb and like mm. Yeah, it was it was it was definitely a, a a risky jump for sure. Luckily, it like worked out. Um mm-hmm. but and I think that was only because I had so much determination and like ambition for it to work out, but you know. Yeah, it, and I think weren't you I don't remember. Were you in your like mid early 20s, mid 20s? I was actually 29. I moved out here oh. July, yeah, July 2018, uh, like 2 months from turning 30, so like oh, was, wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was about yeah, about 4 years ago now, so yeah. That's incredible. Well, I mean, time flies for me and I always forget yeah. how old I am and stuff. So I'm <laughs> like, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, that is especially cool. Cause I know what it's like to th- turn 30, man. Like I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And <laughs> you attended classes at IO Chicago and second city. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that experience and how it kind of molded you at that point in your life and how it's kind of helped you along the way. Um, I would say both uh, institutions helped. Uh, it went to Second City first. Uh, mm-hmm. There I was doing a lot of this. this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Second City taught me, I, I had an improv teacher which said something that it pertains to, to improv, but also you can apply it to other things, which is commit to the bit. Um, mm. Basically means like if, if you're going to go and do something, fully commit to it. Um, mm-hmm. Like whether it's like improv or stand up, if you're going to tell a joke, like like go all out and just do the whole thing. Um, you know, no holding back or anything. So that, that kind of stuck with me from Second City. Mm-hmm. Um, and with IO Chicago, it was all writing classes. Um, and I think some of my writing teachers were really, uh, really good at what they did and they helped me structure, uh, screenplays and also like rewriting. So like initially I thought that, oh, you just write one screenplay and it's done. It's like, no, you probably should write like two or three drafts for it, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think that taught me that, that it's, it has to be like fully fleshed out, uh, with screenwriting at, at IO. So. Yeah. yeah being a writer sucks in that way <laughs> because yeah. you're like oh I've got this great idea and you just start like pounding away at the keys and stuff yeah. and then you get done and you're like yeah this is gonna be great and you start reading over it and you're like um I think I'm missing some thoughts here and I can restructure this and then before too long you're like editing on your sixth draft and you're like I've, I'm yeah. done I don't want anymore like <laughs> and then you know like the next week you're like man I got this great idea I need to write this down yeah. <laughs> you know it's like just it's like this vicious cycle of like yeah. <laughs> you want the idea out there but then you don't like by the time you're done you're like Jesus Christ let's just post yeah. this like just, let's just get rid of it like I'm done with it <laughs> like, yeah it's uh, a lot of work yeah writing for sure is like it's like you're probably going if you really want to perfect your you know, screenplay or book or whatever your writing style is, your format, you're Mm -hmm. probably going to spend like, you know, months to maybe like years on perfecting that one thing. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It can be insane. And and like one thing that I struggle with a lot is perfectionism. Oh, yeah. Like I want it to be 
perfect. Yeah. Like not just good. I want it to be the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this year I've committed to like, okay, we're just going to put stuff out there, even if it's not perfect to kind of really challenge that mindset because I had so yeah. many years where I had so much good content and material that I was just holding on to because I felt like it wasn't quite finished. I mean, do you ever struggle with that, that, that notion? Oh my God. Yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I actually have uh, like a pilot that I've been like really fixated on since I've uh, took classes at IO, which is like three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I really, this pilot that I want to write, is just like so near and dear to me that it has to be perfect. Mm. Um, So I definitely, I definitely struggle with perfectionism and just like wanting everything to be like solid and not mm-hmm. wanting anyone to read it and not trying to like, <laughs> yeah. No, that's me. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not going to send this unless I know it's a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so adverse to having people read it too. Like, I know that you and I talked to co- like a couple of years ago about like, yeah, we're going to write together. We're going to hold yeah. each other accountable. We're going to, we, n- neither one of us sent like, anything I don't think like and I was like we were both like we're working on something it's really great and I know both of us were like doing something really great and then we're both just like I'm just I just don't I just don't think it's ready I don't think it's ready and that was probably like four three or four years ago yeah 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 I mean yeah that that's that yeah I think we we just both want are things to be perfect and very solid and you know mm-hmm. that's all <laughs> well and see like that's how I don't understand how you actually get on stage because mm-hmm. I get to the point where I'm like not knowing if what I'm writing for stand-up is that funny I'm not oh, sure wow. and then I'm wanting I'm like well should I perform in front of my friends and then I think about that and I want to vomit and I'm like no I don't <laughs> don't want to do that so- <laughs> an open mic and do it in front of strangers and then like what happens if like nothing happens like it's like oh my god then what it's like well there are a bunch of strangers i can just walk off like all right later peace y'all have a good night (laughs) you know like (laughs) that's so true that's (laughs) (laughs) like is that how you have kind of like come to view things as a stand-up or how does that look for you yeah, you know what? I used to get really, really like a nervous, like to the point of anxiety when I used to do stand up, like um, mm-hmm. especially like in Chicago, because I didn't really know that many people in the scene, even though I was like in Chicago, but I still felt like I didn't, you know, fit in that well. So I would get like anxiety because like I felt like they were strangers to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think in LA, I kind of get that sense, but it's also just because like I know. Uh, I risk so much coming here. So like, I want it to be perfect. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I found in standup, it's, it's kind of like writing. Yes, like you want it to be perfect. But also if with standup, if you wait too long, then it kind of like loses its like that shiny gold feeling, you know, that new new feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, So at some point, like you you just have to go up and try it. I think just like Mm -hmm. if it doesn't work great, I'm sorry, if it, <laughs> if it doesn't work, <laughs> if, if it doesn't work, then, you know, you rewrite it. If it works, perfectly fine. But um, at some point, you just have to go up and try it and, you know, right. and then rework it later. Yeah, so. 
Like if it doesn't work, it's like the Buddhist perspective. If it doesn't work, fuck it. It's all right. (laughs) Namaste. Things are still okay. I'm going to roll on and do what I do. Um, You know, (laughs) no, but I like that. Like that, you know, you have the courage to at least get up there and then you know where to go from, from that point, regardless of the reception being great or not great. Yeah. And I I think that really, honestly, I think stand up and maybe this applies to writing as well, but I think it just comes down to what's funny to you. If, as long as you have a good time up there and you make yourself Mm -hmm. laugh, that's kind of all that matters. Like if they laugh, great. But, Mm -hmm. um, if you are laughing, like, you know, that's what really matters. Like, I'm really happy. I wrote that joke. That makes me laugh, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's really the key to it for you is getting up there and having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. If it's funny, like if I'm like walking around the house and I'm like saying something funny to myself and I keep laughing at it, I'm probably going to (laughs) go do that on stage. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I'm always questioning myself, like, is this egotistical or is this just funny? Like, I can't, like, is this this just me, like, patting myself on the back or is this actually legitimately laugh worthy? Um, I mean, most of the time it is. Yeah, most of the time it's definitely laugh worthy where, like, Mm -hmm. you say something and you, like, make yourself laugh. It's it's gold. It's just... I'm going to keep that in mind and I'm going to tell my husband that every time he doesn't laugh. <laughs> I'm tired of this motherfucker not laughing at me. <laughs> that is, yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> yes, yes. I know, like you're not married, so you're not quite there yet, but yeah, it's been oh my god, it's been forever. Uh we've been married I think 11 years coming up in May. So we've been together for almost 13. Um, wow. yeah. yeah. You probably have so much material and you don't even know it. Like you could probably draw oh, yeah. that so much. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I do. I do. I have, I have a lot of material and a lot of it's weird shit. Like it's, it's, that's weird but like I feel like that's what relationships are they are weird shit so like yeah that's real I mean really like once you get past the beginning and like the newness and all the got to know you and y'all are living together right and like things are getting real you're like wait a minute this is like living in the twilight zone this is is different (laughs) so yeah I mean I don't know. So I I just, since we're on the subject, Mm -hmm. I know that you are dating in LA. Kind of. Kind of, of, sort of. (laughs) So whatever that kind of is, how is that going? And are there any funny stories there? Or like, how is is dating in your 30s in Los Angeles? Because I would be terrified out of my mind. Rightfully Terrified. so. Uh. <laughs> right? Good. I'm. 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 Um, I feel. Um, what's that word? Oh man. Uh... <laughs> Relieved. <laughs> no. Uh, validated. I feel very oh, validated yeah. to hear you that I should be terrified because I feel like I would be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. Um. I think anyone like no particular age bracket is just like weird and scary in LA um Mm. just because like everyone out you know LA is a place where people move because they want something right they they want to achieve something they want to attain a certain goal um 
and to be honest, a lot of people here date for their own profile. Like, and, you know, for example, yeah, you know, they they date, (laughs) yeah, they they date for like leveling up, you know, it's like, oh no, I'm this comic who's been on this show, that show, this show, why would I date someone who's not done these kind of things or more, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's so I think a lot of times uh, comedians do date each other, but um, I think a lot of times it's for me, at least I want to date someone who's not in comedy at all. Um, you know, I don't want there to be like competition or jealousy mm-hmm. or any of those things. I would rather date someone who does something completely different and I'm fascinated by what they do and they're fascinated by what I do. So mm-hmm. it's definitely weird. There's so much I could say about this one. <laughs> <laughs> many situations you've had over the years that you're like yeah, yeah I could I could write about this oh yeah um, it's yeah I mean I, I tweet about this this kind of shit all the time like you do yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love it uh, I love it I think the general public would love it too um so it's um at Corey Allen Tate I'm pretty sure that's, that's- Yes, go go enjoy my uh, my dating failures and uh... all kinds of shit. <laughs> all kinds of shit. Um, very funny though. Like I love how you draw on your real life experience and make it kind of crazy. Oh, like, thanks. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, this shit really happened. So I just I gotta, I gotta talk about it. Like <laughs> <laughs> this shit really happens. I particularly love about which I don't want to go into your Twitter too much, but oh, that's okay, you um, can go for it. <laughs> I love when you tweet about food. Oh yes, because yes. I'm totally into food. <laughs> uh, we both love Wingstop. Yes, and, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also love how you tweet about white women. Yeah, <laughs> I am like I'm always fascinated to hear about white women because I'm a white woman and I would like to hear that perspective from a black man. So like, I the white women tweets are usually gold. Like yeah. I love that. Love it. <laughs> so, so yes That's everybody hilarious. needs to check out Corey tate on <laughs> on twitter <laughs> that's um, so funny i i usually tweet those like yes they are like true statements but i like i know it's going to like ruffle some feathers and that's part of the fun for me mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah i you know i go for like a mix of reactions like some people are going to love it some people are going to hate it and it all makes me feel great <laughs> it all makes you feel great that's yeah that's awesome because like for me I get too worried about like I get too worried about it I either I'm just like what does this person mean by this or like I just feel like maybe I'm too old to get it like because I'm not that old like I'm not, not that old no yeah, and I not. I get it I'm not that old you and I are relatively the same age yeah and yeah. But I have been removed from society is the difference. Oh, so like you're out here dating and (laughs) hanging out with the cool people (laughs) wearing your cute little outfits that you do because you always look good. And I've been here at home raising children for over 10 years. So I've been like removed from society. So I am back out in society and i'm like what the fuck has happened here (laughs) what like what is going on well for instance i don't know if you realize this but i stopped dating right before dating apps were a thing 
Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole yeah. new world out there now. Right. And so <laughs> I have friends who are like talking about Tinder and Bumble and this and that and the other. And I'm here like, what? What the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so. like, what, is, what the fuck is a Bumble? Are you talking about a bee or what do, you, what do you mean? I don't know. And they're just like, no, it's this app where you go on there and you swipe. And I'm like, swipe. <laughs> what <laughs> and they're just so like I finally had some people show me like okay this is what this is and I just was mortified because I'm like I know for a fact that I would swipe the wrong fucking way every <laughs> like I know that I would and not just once like it would happen repeatedly and like if I was trying to date it would it would be a nightmare after exactly. being like yes because honestly when I left like the dating world it was like DMing like okay do you you know do you want to go out whatever it was just like a DM on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook (laughs) or MySpace even was kind of still like it was on its last leg but you know still still (laughs) around um but yeah it's like now I'm just like looking around and I'm like what have you all done to this world it's yeah (laughs) it's yeah it's 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 wild out there right now I mean you have the actual dating apps like you know tinder bumble hinge even Mm. facebook facebook dating um oh god (laughs) yeah and then you have the social media apps that are not necessarily built for dating but you have again people sliding in your twitter dms your instagram Mm. dms and Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's a wild world out there right now (laughs) i don't know i don't know how you keep up i really don't (laughs) I only um, have a Tinder at the moment, which I actually met someone yesterday on Tinder. We've been like text, texting back and forth. Oh, um, okay. So that's pretty cool. Uh, she sent me pictures of her going hiking today, so that's cool. Uh, <laughs> that's cute. That's cute. Yeah. I like. I like. I feel like that's a nice little icebreaker. Like, yeah. It's not too committal, but at the same time, it's like, hey, this is kind of like part of me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> is- yeah. It was super cool. We we actually, uh, she gave me her number on Tinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she wanted me to send send my funniest meme, and then she sent one back. I was like, "This is a, like a cool way to like a nice icebreaker, like sending memes mm-hmm. back and forth." You know? That is cute. Um, yeah. You know, I might have left the dating world before memes were really a oh, thing, wow. big thing. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm archaic over here. I'm like, uh, I don't even know if I could do that. Uh, yeah, like I've thought about it before, and I just start panicking. I'm just like, "Oh God, I hope I don't get divorced." <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was just gonna say though, like you're, you're ahead of the game. Like what you have is what we're all out here, like going, jumping through hoops for, like Tinder and Hinge and Bumble. Mm-hmm. It's like, fuck, man. Like, wish I had someone to come home to at night. <laughs> is that, is that the goal? Is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I've had that for a long time. Let me tell you, there are, there are downsides. <laughs> <laughs> there are downsides to that uh you know yeah. i not um like of course some of this i'm joking but like of course, i yeah. i love my children i love my yeah. husband I, you know i love my family life but yeah. i mean i i had my first child at 23 oh wow yeah, so like yeah. if you know if you remember what you were doing at 23 <laughs> like a, a lot of fuck shit a lot right of, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right 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 yeah exactly exactly so like <laughs> That's that's the thing. You're in that mindset and you're like, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> I have to like do so I have to like yeah. keep this kid alive. Like, like what is what is responsibilities this? Responsibilities now, yeah. It's like, right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't have any kids yet. Uh I've I've been thinking about it though. I'm like, man, like I don't want to be like a super old dad either though. Like I'm 33, mm-hmm. I'll be 34 this year and I'm like, man, I don't mm-hmm. want to be like a super old dad, but also like <laughs> I kind of like not having kids at this moment, but maybe later. I'm just, you know, I'm kind of right. torn torn in between, you know, so You know, I think for men, it's a little different. I feel Mm. like you still have as much time as you want to have, even though that might not be your personal time frame. Like you still have like a pretty long ways. I feel like women, it's a lot harder for us as far as that's concerned, just because physically pushing out a baby is like hard. I mean, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like Like, at like 45, 50, it's like, man, like that's, you know, like a guy can have a kid at 50. Right. Like, think about your. (laughs) Like, think think about your knees right now. (laughs) Then add about 50 pounds, 40 pounds to that, you know, and then you got to do the balancing act where you've got this, you know, boulder belly and you're like, please don't fall over. Please don't fall over. Please don't pee on myself. I don't like. So, yeah. And then you at the end of all this, you got to like get this baby out. So, Mm. you know, women, it's a lot more physical process for women. I mean, you know, for men, it's that, you know, 60 seconds or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's uh, that's that's the extent of the physical work for that that portion. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, so yeah, for women, I feel like if you think about your body parts at this moment, you would be like, yeah, that would be difficult. I feel yeah. like. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, uh, yeah. And you know, in your thirties, you have bad knees. So, and then like your forties and fifties, I'm sure they get worse and back pains, mm-hmm. like, you know, exactly it's like strapping a 40 pound dog to the front of you and just like trying to live that way you know oh my god just I mean everything you do man bending over tying shoes just like everything everything and don't think about this but it's (laughs) it's just it's a lot it's a lot so in a way I'm glad I did it at 23 because I was probably in one of the you know better shapes of my life at that point that youth um yeah yeah, youth itself. I wasn't in great yeah. shape, but I, but yeah, youth saved me. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> I tell my husband all the time, I'm like, I'm not, we're not, I'm never having another baby. That's <laughs> not like I actually yeah. had him get a vasectomy. Yeah. While I was eight months pregnant with my second child. Oh, you're like, we're done. This is <laughs> yeah. never happening again. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I feel like you'd appreciate this story. We, <laughs> We went to the urologist because that's who you go to, you know, and um, he was looking, he kept looking at me, the doctor. And because, you know, I'm like as big as a fucking globe at this point. (laughs) So I'm sitting there taking up this entire chair um, and he just keeps looking at me and he he goes, I'm sorry. I just, I want to say that, you know, I I don't know how to put this delicately. And at that point in my pregnancy, I was like, I don't give a shit. So I was (laughs) like, go ahead, whatever you got to say, just go ahead. And he was like, well, I I just, I, I need to let you know that like, this is not really a reversible surgery. I mean, we can reverse it, but it's not a hundred percent guaranteed. So if you're ever going to want to have more kids and I was like, nope, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then he still looks nervous and he just keeps looking at my stomach and he goes, well, 
I mean, God forbid anything like happen. And he like gestures towards my stomach. He was like, you know, would you want to have another child or like, and I was like, I just dead ass looked at him. And I was like, if something happens to this baby, I damn sure I'm not doing this again. (laughs) (laughs) So so no, go ahead. Cut that thing up. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And so luckily my husband was, was, uh, willing to do that part of it for us. But yeah, yeah I was just like, nah, nah, if something happens to this baby. I'm not the same happening a third time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was 26 when that, yeah. when I had my last one. So wow. yeah, that's no around, more. I think my mom was around the same age. So I think she had my brother at, I want to say 20 and then me at 23. <sighs> Yeah, then my sister Ugh. at 20, I think 28. So she had right. like three kids before 30. So I think she she eventually, oh, she doesn't um, mind me saying this, but she. <laughs> Watch yourself now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, she eventually decided she didn't want to have any more kids. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a couple of surgical things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, um, yeah. But yeah, so I get it, like. And like guys will never know what it's like to have even one kid, let alone more than one kid, you know, like, right. like at most, like, okay, we run out of energy, but like women <laughs> run out of energy, like 10 times more than men will being a father, right. you know, being a parent. So, yeah. yeah. So, well, and I think what I'm, <clears throat> I think what I meant to say really, in all of this, this long <laughs> tangent of a conversation, no, it's um, fine. I, what I wanted to get across was like, there are some good, there's, there's some positives and negatives like there are with anything. And I think, you know, um, while I did get the family and I do have some beautiful people in my life who I get to come home to every day, um, there's a lot of work associated with responsibility, which I know, you know, everybody already knows that, but there's also like this part of me that kind of wanted to continue exploring myself uh because at 22 because I actually got pregnant at 22 and I had him at 23 Mm -hmm. so um at 22 you're still like definitely exploring who you are I mean you don't have you don't know half of who you really are at that age for sure so it's like not only did I kind of have to slow that process down in a way, mm-hmm. but I also um, added a baby on top of it. So yeah, it's, yeah, so there yeah. are, there is that. And so like, I have learned so much from being a mother and having my family and being married. There's so much learning that goes on. So I do feel like I've gotten the opportunity to really know myself now um, through doing a lot of work with myself and a lot of different things and healing because healing from our, childhoods and our pasts and our bad mistakes is very important so I've gotten all of that but like you get to go date you know what tinder (laughs) is you know um like uh, you you know it's like there there are some really cool parts of it and I mean you moved to a whole new city you went from Chicago to LA and just kind of like started a whole new life you know and that was right before you were 30 right before I was 30 um you know I had a seven-year-old and a three-year-old yeah (laughs) or four-year-old yeah (laughs) so it's like there's it's very cool in a way but it's also there are some like disadvantages and so you'll get there yeah (laughs) yeah no I and I will say you know although I have no kids and yeah I moved across the country and 
you know, started a new life, there were some scares, some pregnancy scares. Uh, <laughs> so. Oh, I, I imagine being a man who is sexually active, there's always a potential for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there, there was a, you know, possibility that this wouldn't have worked out, you know, in the past. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's terrifying. Like, at least I am very grateful that my husband, um, we hadn't been together very long. Mm-hmm. I think we were together for about a year and a half, but mm-hmm. we had been best friends for four years previously. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, we knew each other really well. We had already gotten past the get to know you stage. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which made the dating stage very interesting. <laughs> 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 um, <clears throat> because like, I don't, I, I don't think he will. Um, <laughs> I I remember we had known each other for four years. Um, we finally started dating. And then like it was like six days into the relationship before we had sex the first time. <laughs> like oh, it was wow. like, it was like, yeah, we can go ahead and just speed on right to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, so we had we had a very interesting um start and everything. But yeah, I can imagine being single. And in a new city and like there's being yeah. a man and being out there, there's always a potential for that. Like, whoops, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I've, you know, I had more scares back in Chicago, uh, LA. I've had maybe a couple, <laughs> but uh, it's, um, yeah, <laughs> it sounds like you have been really enjoying your life, Mr. <laughs> Tate. And I applaud you for that. <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah, I'm like, I do. I'm, I'm kind of stuck in this. Uh, like, I'm split right now. Like, do I want to like get into a relationship and like actually have a girlfriend, or do I want to be in these streets? Uh, <laughs> 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 like, I'm like both right now. I'm like, eh, not sure which one I want. Uh, <laughs> and you know, that's kind of evident on Twitter sometimes, because yeah. because you'll say something and then it'll like couple days later it'd be totally contradictory and i'm like man he's still exploring he don't he don't know oh uh, yeah like i'll post like oh yeah just went on the base the best date of my life and then next day i'm right. like i'm going on another date today uh with someone right else. yeah i know and then you're like a jackpot and then sometimes you're like damn i struck out after three days i don't even get i don't understand what's going on here <laughs> So I love that though. I love that. I love that. I love that you're taking risks and you're being courageous with your life. That's amazing, Corey. Amazing. Amazing. I'm I'm trying, you know. (laughs) Oh, no, I don't even think you're trying. I mean, I think you're doing. I mean, that's very, very evident in the way you're living your life. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. I applaud you. That's courageous living right there. You know, that's, that's, you're, you're, that life <laughs> you are <laughs> you are living courageously and i wanted to ask to um yeah. So let's see. I <laughs> we got off on that conversation. <laughs> I've like lost my place here. So I have one more question about the writing, and then we're gonna we're gonna go a different direction. But okay. I did want to ask you real quick about the the comedy writing and you know how what have you done in your writing to hone your craft other than, you know, the IO Chicago and the second city. And like, what does your writing process look like when you're writing either stand up or scripts or, you know, whatever it is that you like to write? Um, I think actually, so I have like a little, uh, 
I guess like a, a process of things that I need when I write. So uh, it has to be like coffee and music, uh, depending on what I'm feeling that day. Um, and a fresh idea or something that I'm already working on, but I have some new ideas that I want to implement. Um, mm. Yeah, I also like I, I sometimes like read other writers screenplays, like if there's like a show that's on that I really love, like I'll go mm. over the screenplay just to see how they, you know, formatted it and when mm. they like started to like introduce new characters within the episode or things of that nature. Mm. Um, and also, you know, I'm not at IO, I'm not at Second City right now. But there's a lot of great resources like uh, like YouTube, for example. Um, <laughs> there is a channel. Uh, I forgot the name of the channel. I think it's um, uh, oh, the Hollywood Reporter. They do like these roundtables of like writers or actors or whatever uh, your your platform is. Mm -hmm. um, like for instance, they'll like have like a 2020 writers roundtable, and they all go around like saying all, dropping all of these like different gems about like writing and and things like that. So, it, it's a bunch of different things that I currently do just to make sure that I'm like on the right path and you know doing my best at least. You know. Yeah, yeah I really like that. I also um, I'm glad you mentioned the writers roundtable because mm -hmm. that's something I actually didn't know about, and I think oh, yeah. it's really important to. Um, kind of bring other writers into your circle when you're doing yeah, that yeah yeah so that way you kind of get an idea about, uh, about other people's voices and the way that they like you said introduce new characters and the way that their mind kind of works when they're writing so yeah. I really the, like that yeah the, there's a really good one out there um I think it may have been from like 2019 or 2020 it's um I think it's uh, the guy who wrote Hamilton. Uh, it's John Favreau, who, who uh, I think he wrote and directed Chef. And there's uh, Donald mm. Glover. And I think oh, Issa, yeah. Issa Rae, I believe. Um, but mm -hmm. that's a really good one. They just go around the table just saying like, oh, I went through this when I was like writing this. And mm -hmm. I was watching a lot of this. So I decided to implement a character that was like that in my show. And it's just like mm -hmm. really, really cool things to hear. And you know, to take mm -hmm. along with you along your path. So, yes. And if Donald Glover is there, I will be there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, all, we all know how much I love him. So, uh, that's he's one of my big, big, big inspirations. Same. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. He is that good. That's that's yeah. why everybody looks up to him. He is that good. Yeah. Um, I, so, I yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I went through like this phase where I was just like, and I'm still like very infatuated with Donald Glover, but like mm -hmm. I went through this phase where I was just like super infatuated with Donald Glover's like music and writing and acting and like, mm -hmm. he's again, just to your point, he's just like incredible. So. Yes, he is. I mean, I, he, I, he, every time I think he can't possibly add more to something, he does. Like, yeah. And I'm like, who gave this motherfucker all this talent? <laughs> like, this is not fair. He can do anything. Like, yeah. how? Yeah. Like, whatever you're doing, let me in on the secret. I need to know. <laughs> he's just, he's so good. And I love him as Childish Gambino. I love him as an actor. I love him. I mean, everything he does is just amazing he's a great writer yeah. i mean it is excellent um there's just nothing that man can't do yeah. and so I I, yeah i worship him and i know you're a big uh, kid cuddy fan too yeah so oh we'll God. drop that <laughs> we'll drop yeah. that in there <laughs> yeah huge kid cuddy fan <laughs> yes and um, i 
Yeah. I've actually watched him in interviews um, a, quite a lot. And I love, I, I really like Kid Cudi too, but I've watched him like on Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith yes. and some other places. And he just seems so down to earth. He Like he's just really human. Yeah. And I really love that about him because he's not superhuman. He doesn't like portray somebody who is superhuman. He really seems to be a down to earth kind of guy. A genuine person who like yes. really cares about people. And um he has a, a documentary on uh Amazon Prime. It's just like you like what you're saying is like mm-hmm. you'll see that like times 10. Like it's incredible. Um so mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you kind of just get to see like where he where he comes from and like why he wanted to do music and you know his main goal is just to help people. So that's just like so 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 awesome to me. So. Yeah, and I actually have that same aspiration too. Like yeah. that's that's part of why I do comedy, and I'm sure that's part of why you're drawn to comedy as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the human component of it, you know. Yeah. yeah. Just want to like you know again like like I love just making people laugh and just making people feel something and it's just like that in return I get that same feeling back so yeah it's just like a joy creator it just goes yeah. around creating joy for everybody yeah who's around. it's yeah. amazing yeah so I wanted to dive a little deeper um I have some really good questions so I want to make sure that we have enough time I I usually go about an hour but I don't know what your time schedule is could you go a little longer than that or of course yeah I'll talk to you all day Uh (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) well that's good to hear because I have some really good stuff and I wanted to get a little deeper so we've talked about like you know, kind of a little bit about your career and how you got here and all of this, but I want to talk about it from a more human perspective. Mm -hmm. So how has being a black man shaped Mm -hmm. you on this path to pursuing this uh, ambition? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, things have gotten a little bit better as far as like, uh, opportunities go. And, um, you know, we were just talking about Atlanta, like there's more shows Mm -hmm. that are you know, from black creators and black writers and producers and directors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's great. Um, of course, you still get a little bit of pushback and, you know, like doing stand up or, you know, wanting to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you just you kind of get a little bit of pushback, but also there are more opportunities out there now. And I think people are becoming more aware that there's there's, you know, black voices out there. There's black stories. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. So um, it, it's, you know, there's like a, it's a bittersweet, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But I, I just, you know, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy being mm-hmm. a black creator for sure. Yeah. That's good. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that because I think you have such a strong voice as far oh, as you. comedy and everything. Well, I mean, and it's, it's, um, it's just evident in the way that you live and the way that you are from day to day. I mean, like mm-hmm. on social media and the way that you present yourself mm-hmm. is, I mean, you're a genuinely uh, decent human being who oh, you. <laughs> really loves to make people laugh. And I feel like it's really unfortunate that we as a a nation, a society, you know, whatever you want to say, don't value black creators um, the way we should, because some of the best uh, music, stand up, uh, movies, television, entertainment, 
they come from the richness of black people and the black voices. Yeah. And I feel like we're really doing ourselves a disservice mm-hmm. when we're not, you know, um, giving people equal opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And, and along those same lines, like, even though like, of course, like there's going to be pushback as like a black creator, but like, I think even like as a black artist, we also have to pay attention to other people of color, like, you know, mm. Asian, Asian creators and, um, you know, Latina creators and, you know, just all these other different voices that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, just to make sure that they don't go through the same thing that black creators have gone through and, and, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, you know, we, we, we definitely want to get our voices out there, but also we have mm-hmm. to also, um, make sure that we are, you know, um, helping other writers of color as well. So, uh, right. That is a really big part of it. And I do want to say that representation matters yeah and that's been evident for years and years I mean since forever (laughs) like (laughs) I mean I know we're only pretending now to notice it but that's bullshit (laughs) like like we you know what I'm saying like I know white people know this like it's just representation (laughs) matters I mean you look at look at what Richard Pryor you know did for comedy look at what like I hate to say this, but like Bill Cosby did for television. <laughs> like, I mean, regardless of his other, other issues. Bullshit. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, back in the day, you know, when people weren't privy to that, yeah. you know, he, you know, that was a big deal historically. And it's like, we've seen this time and time and time and time again. So it's like, I hate it when people are like, oh, yeah, like we're just now figuring this out. It's like, no, you didn't. No, you aren't. Like, yeah. we've, we've been seeing this for forever. Like, so, I mean, representation matters. And I have small children and I want them to know that the world is just bigger than white men. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they are going to be white men. Hmm. And I want them to understand that their role as white men is to not only lift everybody up and provide equal opportunities but actually just shut up <laughs> like <laughs> like I love my kids and it's not anything against my kids but white men like just <laughs> shut the fuck up for a little while like you know <laughs> like and I'm sure people say that about white women sometimes too you know you've got you've got some of these Karens running around and I get it but um yeah I mean representation matters and yeah. um and I'm so glad you're out here um, living your truth and doing your thing. Yeah, yeah. And and I will say, like, yes, uh, you know, we're – I don't think any black creators like, oh, no, we don't want to, like, include, you know, white people in our shows and things like that. It's just, like, mm-hmm. we just want, like, a, a bigger voice. That's all. It's just, like, we want to tell our stories as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, yes, uh, you know, representation does matter. Um mm-hmm. But also, we're not, like, shunning anybody at the same time. Yeah, so. (laughs) Right, right. And no, I think that's all perceived. I think that's all. um, That's a whole nother thing. (laughs) That's a whole nother thing I could get into about patriarchy and shit. If we get me going on that, we'll never end this thing. Um, But, (laughs) yeah, I totally get what you mean. I I absolutely do. Um, you know, and comedy for me is 
about so much more than just getting a laugh now. Like yeah. I, I think back to when I first started writing scripts and it was my goal to make like the funniest thing anyone had ever read. Yeah. And now it's more of a process of embodiment for me, like yeah. a modality of self-expression. Mm, and yeah. I mean, I, I did say this earlier, but like I, I write for myself a lot now. I, I want to laugh. <laughs> and aside from just that perspective of my writing, I have a goal of connecting on a human level. Yes. Yeah. And I want to share in like the common zany journey of humanity we're on because yeah. It is both hilarious and tragic to be alive. Yeah. Like yeah. it's um it's a miracle and a nightmare. Yeah. And I want to be able to bring about tackling that dichotomy and duality and integrating that into an experience of acceptance. This yeah. is who humanity is. Right. We are both good and bad. We are just what is, you know? Mm. And what is is inherently fucking funny sometimes <laughs> like it just it just is so like how how is comedy for you when when you're writing and performing what is it that drives you motivates you keeps you going on stage and in your career like why do you love it I think it's actually exactly what you just said it's just like the human experience you know mm. um like I'm working on this joke right now, this stand-up joke. Um, I was in the store and this dude like approached me. I had on my mask and mm -hmm. this dude approached me. Uh, he was wearing a do-rag and he was like telling me all this stuff about like COVID and like COVID is over and COVID was a hoax <laughs> and all this mm -hmm. shit. Mm. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I was like, oh, I have to talk about this. This really happened to me. And I was like, oh, I didn't know the CDC hires niggas with do-rags. Uh, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, you're going to have to do that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was just like so odd to me, like this dude in a fucking do-rag in the store is like telling me about COVID and shit and how it's fake. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like. <laughs> <laughs> do rags and gas stations for yeah. experts, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's why I come to get my advice from homie. That's <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, so it's just like real life things that really happen to me that like I'm like I need like a platform to express this. Otherwise I'm just like it's just in my head and it's not <laughs> doing anybody any justice so yeah. yes yes yeah and like those random ass thoughts you get sometimes too yeah. like yeah. that you're just like man I wonder if anybody else does this like just yeah. random but it's also funny like random <laughs> thoughts from nowhere and you're just like oh man I gotta see if somebody else feels like has thought this before like what is up with this messed up computer in my brain like <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's like, so true yeah it's like you just want to relate to other people you don't want to feel like a weirdo like you feel like a right. weirdo but if someone else connects to you you're like oh i'm not a weirdo other people do this they're just not talking about it right <laughs> and that's what comedy does it brings the element of humanity there to people to see yeah exactly like to connect to like you know you're not scared to come up and say these things because I mean you might be a little bit but you but that's the job of the comedian to like 
integrate that into the human consciousness consciousness yeah. like our our global like connectedness um <laughs> if i have to experience this weird shit in my mind you do too like that's, yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> that's what we're doing right now so <laughs> so yeah it's a uh, comedy has recently become like really spiritual to me too i don't know how you feel about it i mean i align with some jokes and others i don't anymore and there's this like new wavelength a new spiritual realm with each set that i write and uh, again i've never actually done a stand-up set but i've written several of them they just sit (laughs) on my computer and i see this extreme evolution each time i write a new set does a sense of spirituality come do you feel more connected to the collective like the all that is when you're writing and you're up there telling jokes yeah i i do i so with with writing it's like oh like like something something's giving me like something's telling me i have to do this joke Mm. um like I when I think when I first started comedy, it was all like silly, whimsical stuff. And like I would just like write just like things that I thought were just funny and random. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's like it's like I like sometimes I just like sit and listen to like like my mind. And I'm like, I have to like talk about this specific thing, like like a relationship that happened, for example, I'll like. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, why have I never, never talked about that? Like, and maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't the right time to talk about that. And now it is. And that's why I'm just now remembering it. And now I can go write it and talk about it. Like maybe I needed to heal from that specific experience, you know, before yeah. I can talk about it. So yeah, I think, I think, um, I think the universe definitely gives us things when it's time to give them to us, you know, like, Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I love that you mentioned healing first mm-hmm. because yeah. I feel like if comedians aren't careful, they can kind of um let that bitterness and that like really yeah. bad shit leak out mm-hmm. into their comedy. Yeah. And so it can be a bad thing. But I also feel like on the flip side, if you're doing it right, comedy can be so healing and it can yeah. it can bring about an an old, a whole new realm for you so very cool yeah i i think it's just like you know i believe in like um things that again things that are supposed to happen at the time like you might have not have gotten the idea to write this joke uh, until it was time and then when you perform it like someone is in the audience who needed to hear it at that exact moment yes you know what i mean like like if i had been telling this joke three years ago i probably would have been over it by now and then when i did perform it you know, the person who was meant to hear it, you know, they, uh, they weren't there at the time or I wasn't doing that joke. So I just believe in like Mm. alignment and timing is very critical to like creativity. Yeah. That is what you just said is so important because I never thought of it. I I mean, I thought of it that way, but I never thought about the timing part. Um, and, uh, um, specifically, and I feel like, that's exactly right. And I also feel like that is a great way to combat your fear for getting up and actually saying it and doing it. Yes. Because for me, if it really is going to help someone and I feel like, yes, this is really uh, imperative and it is on a time frame, and I need to get up there and do this, I'm much more likely to do it than I, than, than not because I, yeah. I won't be stuck in my head knowing that I might potentially be helping somebody. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that. I yeah, I think like you said, like comedy comes with a responsibility. Like you said, like if mm. you don't heal from the thing that you're talking about, you're probably gonna. It's probably not gonna be funny. It's probably gonna come off as like, you know, mm -hmm. um, very abrasive and and like angry. It's like no, like let's heal from it and then let's ex let's carry pick the funny things that happen from that experience and then like let's make it work mm -hmm. for your benefit. You know. Uh, right yeah and I think sometimes comedians miss the mark there they don't realize hmm. that that's where the good stuff is you know yeah yeah um sometimes they get so focused on like getting a laugh or being shock value is it is a new yeah. I hate shock comedy just for the sake of shock <laughs> comedy like yeah not that I hate it as a genre but like just for the sake of shock value it's just it just doesn't do it for me yeah, yeah, I get that. It's like, and I, 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 you know, I know a lot of comedians like that. I know that there are some comedians who are, you know, popular who do that kind of stuff. But like, you know, at the same time, it's like, yeah, that was like fucking like Howard Stern days. Like, right. it's a, it's a, you know, it's like, it's a right. new day now. Like, right. Like, so yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, not that I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad or wrong or whatever. I just don't vibe with it anymore. <laughs> and I'm just so past it. New way that's coming through. That's more about connecting to our, like our shared humanity yeah. because it's just so, I mean, human experience is just so fucking weird. Like it's just yeah. weird. <laughs> It's yeah. just, it's, it's beautiful. It's brutal. It's crazy. It's strange. It's a man in a do rag telling you COVID doesn't <laughs> exist. Like, yeah. you know, like it's, it's all of this stuff. It's, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, <laughs> and yeah, you know, what's, what's strange now is just like, uh, I forgot what I was watching the other day, but it was about like, uh, how like mental health is like in the forefront now, like, no one ever used to talk about like mental health and, and things like that. But now like, it's a common conversation, yes. um, you know, with mental health and like, you hear like comedians talking about it now and, and things of that nature. So it's like, it, you know, like, uh, mental health has become such a like, you know, big thing now, especially with the mm. pandemic that we're in. It's like, we have mm. to talk about it. Like, there's no way around it. Like everybody's going through it right now. So yeah. Yes. And that's actually my next set of questions was oh. about, uh, so you're right on, right on track, um, <laughs> with mental health, because, um, I was going to ask you, have you had positive and negative experiences with mental health and comedy? Because I've had instances where it's been both like, ah, some um healing for the soul and it and it's nuanced truth basically when we get down to the really fine truth of it there yeah. can be some really good stuff in comedy and then other times i've definitely had like an inflated sense of ego over a great joke that i've written uh <laughs> to the point doesn't like it i'm like fuck you then like that that's a good <laughs> joke like <laughs> you know and like that's not healthy for people either so yeah. you know what, how have your experiences been positive or negative with mental health and comedy um i i've definitely had both uh i've had both positive and negative experiences with mental health and comedy mm -hmm. um 
you know, the positive is, of course, you do a set and you kill and it's just like amazing and like you feel incredible after that dopamine, those endorphins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that serotonin starts coming out. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. On, on the flip side, I would say that, um, you know, it, it, when you do bomb and you thought that you were going to do a great set and, you know, it doesn't work out that way. It's just like, oh, man, like. I'm the worst comedian in the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that was my next question. Cause yeah. like I have imposter syndrome. Uh -huh. So for me, it can be actually like completely devastating yeah. and is a huge part of why I haven't got on stage yet. Mm. I mean, it really is. And I mean, the other part of it is that I'm a woman and it's a little more challenging for women um, because I think sometimes society doesn't view us as the having the ability to be as funny as men. Wow. And there's sometimes like a gender bias there. Unless all of your jokes are about vaginas. I feel like <laughs> a lot I feel like a lot of female comedians get up there and as long as they talk about vaginas the whole time, it seems to go pretty well for the men, <laughs> I guess. Uh, if men find what I'm saying is funny that's great but that's also not my target audience yeah so um yeah. <laughs> you know but I the other thing is I'm concerned in some cities about violence against women and the yeah. misogyny and the things so and then with being a mom it's like really difficult to get out after bedtime because I'm yeah. always wiped out too by like nine o'clock <laughs> so comedy is a late night game it is yeah. not <laughs> I can't be going at like 8 p.m and be like all right guys I gotta get back home to put my kids to sleep we gotta get this shit on the road <laughs> like um so <laughs> sorry tangent uh the imposter syndrome you know how does that impact you when a joke bombs now? Are you still feeling, I mean, have you gotten a little more balanced about, you know, when, when something flops? Yeah. You know what I've, uh, I've learned it and I've actually heard it from either uh, other comedians as well, where like, you know, bombing isn't necessarily up to the comedian. Like, yeah, you might get a comedian that has some really just shitty jokes and they just they're just not funny. But mm -hmm. also it can be the, the circumstances in the environment as well. Like, you know, if, if I'm telling a bunch of jokes that, you know, a black crowd would relate to to like a primer, primarily white crowd, they're probably not going to mm -hmm. laugh as hard, you know, and vice versa. Right. You know? So um, sometimes bombing is just situational, like you know, you can get a crowd full of people who like just got off work and you're talking about like, you know, how you don't uh, need to work or you don't, you don't mm -hmm. have a job and all like, I can't relate to this shit. Like, get off stage. Right. Like, right. You know? right, right. <laughs> so, right. yeah. So um, I think bombing is just like situational and uh, you know, it just, it happens. I just think the more that you go up and the more that you perform the, you know, the, the, sh the less shitty it feels, you know? <laughs> Right. And I think, too, I would assume that after you've done it for so long, you you learn to not take it so personally. Is that yeah. true? Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Like I've I've done nights where I do like three sets like in one night and like, you know, the first what might go well. And then the second is like, oh, this is a shit crowd. And then the third one's like, <laughs> oh, like, fuck, I killed that shit. So, you know, you don't take it personal, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. OK, I see. <laughs> Yeah. I would assume that's how it goes, but 
that I'm I'm glad. I feel like that gives me that inspires me to get up there sometime and do it. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for that. I know that comedy is a notorious breeding ground for thinly veiled hate. Uh, it it really is. It's no secret, and I mean, I, I at least I don't think it is. It's no secret that misogyny and racism, white supremacy, a lot of the troubling. Yeah behavior uh that we see in society really thrives behind the scenes in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. uh have you personally experienced any of these troublesome ideology ideologies or have you actually had to confront someone who is taking what they're considering to be a joke a bit too far or you know what does it look like behind the scenes you know um in in stand-up right now I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, people who do comedy or any other uh, entertainment uh, platform, they're still just people, you know, so Mm -hmm. they're just human beings. So um, you're going to encounter that for sure, because, you know, you know, aside from dealing with comedians, you're just dealing with people who are flawed Mm. in their own ways. Um, Yeah, I remember I was back in Chicago and (laughs) I think I was Mm -hmm. at an open mic and I was just like sitting there and minding my business. Uh, this white dude like came and like sat next to me with it, like his laptop. I guess he was like writing his little shitty jokes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love where this is going. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he eventually he bombed, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you had to let me know. Yeah, he bombed. <laughs> yeah, he bombed. He was a shitty comic. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so he was like sitting next to me and like. I guess he was writing something on his laptop and I'm like on my phone or whatever, like going over my set. And I guess he had to step out for something like step out of like the, I guess it was like some bar or something that we were doing the open mic. Um, I guess he like left his laptop there. He was like, Hey man, don't steal my laptop. I was like, get the fuck out. Like, like, (laughs) like shit like that. It was like, first of all, your laptop has shitty jokes on it. And, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it's just things like that. Like, you know, and you know, again, if it's like Chicago, Chicago is a very like segregated city. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I understand like people are going to be a little bit more prejudiced and like racist and shit like that. So, but yeah, things like that, like you just, you're dealing with human beings before you're dealing with comedians at the end of the day. That is true. I mean, I didn't think about it. I mean, I guess my only concern with comedians is like, I know that they're much more to the point a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that can sound and seem a little bit more um, belligerent (laughs) when you're dealing with it. But yeah, I, I would assume, I mean, all of this is everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. Just like you said, it's, you know, it's everywhere. I feel like it's a little worse in the midwest and the south uh but yeah but it's but it's everywhere uh so i mean that's good though it sounds like you've really gotten to the point where you understand that this is just a problem of humanity right now and you're you're not taking it super personally yeah i mean like you know it's it's after doing it for so long i think i did my first open mic and like 2012 or some shit like that so wow so (laughs) 10 years now yeah yeah I don't honestly I don't feel like it because it's it's like been like you know times where I wasn't doing stand-up at all I just like took breaks so Mm -hmm. I don't really count those times but like 
I've been around the block a few times. So like, <laughs> yeah. So, right. yeah. So like, I'm like, I've, I've seen just about everything. I'm sure there's more to see, but you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot. So I'm like, I don't take that shit personally. Yeah. Right. You just keep yeah. on walking. You, yeah. you live in California now. Fuck yeah. it. <laughs> there's no reason to be mad about nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what your weather is like there, but uh, I got 10 inches of snow today. Oh, wow. (laughs) Or yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) So so you don't have a whole lot of reasons to to be worried about things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So how how has comedy aided you in your own personal healing process? Hmm, yeah, that's a good question. I feel like it's uh, it's definitely beneficial for sure. Uh, again, going back to like, you know, things happening in your life and you really having no way to express those things. Mm. Um, I feel like it just gives you a platform to just like, you know, every like at the end of the day, everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to have a voice, mm. whether you do comedy or not. Just being a human being, you want people to hear you. Um, and I think comedy has just been that, that vehicle for me to just like, you know, like yell out to the world, like, Hey, I'm going through this. I went through this. This is my story. So it just gives you just like, you know, a platform or vehicle to express what's happening or what has happened in your life. So very beneficial. Yeah. And then on the flip side, you're finding people who can relate to these things. Yeah. Uh, yeah so that's incredible really honestly that's that's definitely the good part yeah I so uh, like I it took me a while to like find my like knit group in LA they say uh your tribe for some reason I don't know (laughs) LA bullshit but (laughs) yeah no that's that's the new age spiritual bullshit (laughs) yes yes (laughs) it's same same thing (laughs) yeah like yeah it it, yeah it took me a while to find like my group of people and I just found them like probably like in the last six months maybe and I like I have this core group of friends that I really love and really you know cherish because like they they get me they understand me I can say anything I'm around them so Mm. it's also helped it helped in that realm of finding people who who really you know there's no biases or anything they just really like who you are as a person you know yeah and they understand your humanity and you all have found a sense of belonging in a in a culture that's super superficial (laughs) so that's that's really the gift I feel like um, yeah being sure. able to have that because without our communities life is tough yeah very so, very much true yeah yes so that's <laughs> wonderful and I was gonna say too that men don't have many opportunities to express any kind of emotion mm-hmm. in our society and our culture actively encourages young boys to suppress their feelings and emotions, teaching them that feeling is wrong or it's weak or, you know, stop being a wuss or whatever the (laughs) case may be. And they're basically saying that nothing is worse than vulnerability. So does comedy help in any way to allow you to explore opening up further, like especially amongst your new community and with others? Yeah, I think that's actually comedy is like the only time when I really express, you know, uh, being vulnerable and emotions and feelings. Um, 
Mm. Because I think, you know, just because I think that they would get it. Everybody in comedy just says, like, a little side note is a weirdo. And and that's why we hang around each other is because we know we're all fucking weird and we don't fit in with typical normal society. Uh, (laughs) This is true. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can vouch for this. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like you are brought up to as a as a guy and more specifically a black black guy, you're you're Mm -hmm. expected to not you're expected to be strong and not show emotions. And, you know, Mm. uh, I think that actually comes from we can get into that but it, it comes from just like you know generations like you know um being let go from being, being like slaves and like you know like having to be like the man of the house and all these different things and wow. um but yeah you're like you know you're like programmed to like not show emotions and, and shit like that so um comedy allows me to do that it allows me to like be vulnerable and you know i can count plenty of times when me and my friends would just sit around in like the backyard after a comedy show and just like talk about dating and talk about mental health and talk about Mm. all these different things so it it allows me to um share those things um that I don't get to share outside of comedy you know yeah you've created like your own space like with other in community with other comedians who have gone through a lot of these things that you have and I mean there is an element like you were saying of generational trauma especially with black men and Mm -hmm. you know slavery and all of that and it's Mm -hmm. uh it's it's really difficult to find those safe spaces in this society to be able to express yourself I'm sure and it's so important to have that community and to have comedy to be able to kind of be the icebreaker for all of it. Yeah. I I really don't know like what I would do without comedy. Like it's Mm. just been like so powerful in my life. And like, you know, it's just like been like, again, the safe space for, you know, opening up and like talking about things that you normally wouldn't talk about unless like you have like maybe a therapist. And even with that, you're Mm. still like, kind of like, pulling back a little bit but comedy allows you to just like go all out and just like say what Mm -hmm. you're feeling say what you're experienced and someone's going to connect to that maybe not everybody but someone's going to connect to that so that's super cool exactly and I think in therapy too it, it, it can be helpful for one-on-one, but you're still lacking that community component of knowing like other people feel this way too. Yeah. yeah, It's not, it's not just me. Like, cause when I see a therapist or a doctor or whatever, I feel like I am talking to someone who is sitting on the other side who is, they're, they're educated about what I'm going through, but they don't know what I'm going through. They haven't experienced or walked in that with me. And I feel like when we have community and we know there are people that have walked that path with us and know those experiences, there's just so much more impact and more opportunity for healing there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's just like, uh, you know, like, if I'm talking about, uh, you know, oh, I'm like insecure when it comes to like, dating girls who are like into polyamory or it's just like mm-hmm. all kinds of shit. like mm-hmm. I know that one of my comedian friends is going to relate to me relate to it or they're going to like you know give me some insight I didn't have before you know like just mm-hmm. all these different it, yeah you're right the sense of community is like incredibly uh vital to you know, uh, like your mental health, I think. Yeah. Just being able to be and to be yourself and to be accepted 
for being mm. yourself is such yeah. a huge deal. Yes. I love it. It's <laughs> yes. Yes. It really is. And <laughs> Why would I pay a therapist when I can get paid to make people laugh? That's yeah. like there's there's that part of it too. Like yeah. So yeah. On, yeah, that's very true. Yes. On the wavelength of like being able to get up and say whatever in comedy, mm-hmm. a lot of people want to know. I've I've been asked a lot and I I have I have opinions, but I am am not a stand-up, so I can't really say for sure. But a lot of people want to know if comedy has become too PC because some prominent, mostly male comedians equate (laughs) pushing the envelope comedically with like homophobia, racism, Mm -hmm. and overall hate and hate speech. And what is your take on all of that as a comedian? That PC? Um, Yeah, I I think – at the end of the day, comedy is a platform where you should freely express, you know, what you're feeling. But I think that actually goes back to what you're saying about like shock comedy. I think mm-hmm. some people like doing that because they think it's edgy or this is going to be attention grabbing. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can also be pushing hate and you can be, you know, inspiring people who are hateful to be more hateful and, mm-hmm. you know, ha- feel like someone is like speaking for me. Like if you have like someone who's like really racist and you have this comedian who's not actually racist in their real life, but they're saying this shit on stage, you know, that that racist person in real life is going to feel like, oh, somebody hears me. Somebody feels me. And, yes. You know, you know, so like it can be it can be very, a very dangerous line to walk. Um, you know, I, I think there are some comedians who play around with that, but you can tell that they're joking. Like um, mm-hmm. what's what's I forgot this lady's name, but uh, she would like talk about like like black people a lot or like gay people. Mm-hmm. But she would like do it like in a uh, oh Lisa Lampanelli. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I know exactly. Vagina yeah. comedy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I was talking about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But um, you know, like she does it like in a, such a like a oh yeah, it comes off as like racism and shit, but also this is like your aunt from like fucking New Jersey or some shit. You're you're right. you're an Italian aunt from New Jersey who just talks right. shit when she drinks too much wine, like that kind exactly. of shit. <laughs> right. right. Like when she sobers up in the morning, she'll go back to normal. Yeah. 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 No, I get that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think there is a, you know, um, there are some people out there who, you know, they, they genuinely do take offense to things that mm-hmm. shouldn't be taken offense to. Like mm-hmm. you can tell the comedian really doesn't mean these things, but there are some comedians out there who really say this shit in a hateful way. It's like, Hey man, you better watch it. You're just an open micer. You know people can still uh, slap the shit out of you, right? Like, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like but um, but yeah. So I don't know. I, I it's it's a tricky thing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like from my perspective that we've talked about this already. That there is and there is some responsibility with accountability and comedy. Yes. And so there is that piece. And I feel like people who get up there and have no responsibility or accountability, mm. it's really dangerous mm. for the purpose of saying, like you were saying, we're ac- we're accidentally inspiring hate here. Yeah. Um, we're, we're thinking that it's just a joke. Mm. But then there's that guy in the audience who 
is a white supremacist and is like, oh yeah, he yeah. really gets. I hate black people. Like, yeah, you know, like, he feels um, seen. He feels right, heard. right. Yeah. He feels seen. Right, <laughs> exactly. And so then you've got like that. That can be troublesome. Like when yeah. you have groups of people, especially like if you're doing comedy in the Midwest, you got to be really careful about like your target market. And stuff. yeah, like, in the South, like South, yes, the South is still really, really, uh, yeah, you know, uh, prevalent with like racism so if you, like you're a white yeah. comic that's going to like telling black jokes in a room full of like black people it's probably not going to go very well for you <laughs> right 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 there is that yeah I didn't even think about that but um yeah there there is that too but yeah I feel like you've got to have some responsibility and I feel like sometimes comedians just want to uh blame PC culture on, uh, you know, their lazy comedy on PC culture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. They... You know, you've yeah. seen it. it yeah. just, it's just lazy comedy that they're like, oh, I can't say what I want to say. And it's like, nah, well, what you were saying was not funny anyway. So like, <laughs> I don't know what, where we're going here, bud. But yeah. I mean, I don't think comedy's for you. Yeah, um, you know, so it's 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 like the guy in the coffee shop who said you were gonna steal his computer. Yeah. You know, it's like we know you aren't funny. It's yeah, just, it's like you're you're like, a hack, right? Like, don't be blaming PC com like PC stuff on <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. So I yeah I have I feel that way, and I feel like to me personally, as someone who writes comedy, I don't. I don't need to go there a lot of the time because I have plenty of shit that I can talk yeah. about that um, is not going to be in that realm and not have to be scrutinized in that way. And I do want to bring people together. And the goal is to bring everybody joy. So I don't want to be overly offensive or overly shock value or whatever. And I think yeah. um, there's a, comedian that does a pretty good job of that and i can see her face in my mind right now and i can't remember her name she's the um she did nanette nanette oh oh and uh, gatsby yes. is her name uh um, yeah is it hannah uh i think so maybe okay. I, I think you have but the same yeah name. she yeah <laughs> she did maybe <laughs> she did nanette and i feel like her comedy is very moving and it's at the end of the day, it's usually bringing people together. And she does occasionally say some things about people. But I mean, ultimately, that's kind of the the goal for me is like, how can we actually bring, first of all, yeah. bring joy, bring people together. And second of all, shed light on real issues. Like that's really yeah. you know, important. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, that's always been done in comedy. It's like shedding light on real issues. But Mm -hmm. I think it, I think more so now comedians are doing that like back, you know, back in back in the days, like you would have like Richard Pryor that was like talking about his life where like, mm. you know, he was like arguing with his wife and he shot their car and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like, uh, like he was like freebasing and lit himself on fire by mistake. Yeah. And yes. All yes. these, all these real things is like the most, the funniest shit ever. Cause like, nobody's really saying the well i'm guessing back mm -hmm. in those days nobody was really saying it but like right you know he's just like talking about real life and just like shedding light on things that actually happened to him you know yes and yeah. i love comedy that comes out of personal experience yeah <laughs> i feel like you can't 
go wrong in most of those scenarios because it happened to you yeah this is your personal experience you're not saying you're an expert in racism or an expert in you know whatever topic this is something that actually happened to you yeah so I get it. That makes perfect sense to me. And I loved Richard Pryor. I thought he was a genius. And um, I loved that he didn't shy away from the things that could have been just mortifying or embarrassing or impactful negatively to his career. Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually, you know, like watching Richard Pryor, uh, I'm glad he, you know, decided to go that route. Because initially, uh, Richard Pryor was like, basically copying Bill Cosby like he wanted to be like this family friendly person Mm -hmm. storyteller and Mm -hmm. you know he eventually found his voice and just started talking about like growing up in Peoria Peoria, Illinois and like Mm -hmm. his grandmother was basically a pimp who ran a whorehouse and you know all these different Mm -hmm. things and like it's just like you know it's super interesting to hear like this unique perspective of like Mm -hmm. this only happened like in his life you know so Right, exactly. And it it, in some ways, it can be like a movie. And then with Richard's charisma, and his timing and his, I mean, with every he just made it what I mean, Richard made his comedy what it was by being Richard. Yes, yes. And I love that about him. I love I love that so much. So yeah, I mean, a lot of his stuff would not be politically correct today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I also, when I watch Richard, I keep that in mind. Like this was 40, 30, 40 years ago. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like the sixties, the seventies, a little bit right. of the eighties, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. And there were a lot of drugs. He was, he was. Oh yes. Drugs. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I'll, you know, yeah, yeah. There's, there's that piece too. So, but I mean, aside from that, he still was just one of the best. I think yeah, he, he really yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> How do you talked about your friendships and about how you just in the last six months had really solidified like that group for you, Mm -hmm. uh, that community. Uh, How does that look now in Los Angeles? Because as you know, and as most of us know, it's a very superficial town and it's what you were saying. People keep each other at arm's length or they're just networking to get ahead, dating Mm. this person or this person to kind of further their status. You know, have you found a sense of belonging with these people now after you've, because, well, you did leave LA during the pandemic for a short time and then you went back. So after you came back, you know, have you found what you feel like is a good sense of belonging in a city that's known notoriously for its shallowness? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think actually, yeah. So finding like this core group of friends that I found uh, has been super beneficial in, in that that area where like, you know, I'm not like trying to necessarily make more friends because I found mm-hmm. my core group. If I make more friends, great. But if not, I know that my core group is there and they're authentic and they're true and real and they look out for me and I look out for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I'm really not trying to necessarily make more friends because I know what the, you know, making more friends could lead to like, you know, someone trying to use me or, you know, Mm. things of that nature. So, you know, like just finding that, that, that solid group of people that I have Mm -hmm. now has just been like, super beneficial to me feeling like I belong here and that I can p- mm. pretty much do anything, you know? Yeah. And does it make you feel like you could 
really settle into a life in Los Angeles? Or are you thinking that you're going to be going in a different direction? Or how does that look for you? Um, I think so right now I'm still set on, you know, opportunities in Los Angeles, you know, later on in life, once I like really get established to where I want to be, it could you know, I could possibly go somewhere else because I don't really need to be in LA for the opportunities at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just about like uh, where you feel like you belong at the moment. I feel like I belong in LA at the moment because I, you know, I've only been here four years, you know, it's mm-hmm. still a small amount of time. Um, but, you know, eventually it could be, you know, uh, Miami or Atlanta or something like that, just somewhere. Mm. That, yeah, I mean, it's still, of course, it's human beings. So it has this level <laughs> of, uh, you know, being superficial. But yeah, L.A. for sure is like that times 10. So, <laughs> yeah. And I was curious, like you said, you were kind of avoiding situations where you could be potentially used or whatever. And uh, I, was that part of your experience in the beginning or how? You know, how has that shown up in your life in LA? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so when I, <laughs> when I, when oh. I first, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when when I first landed in LA uh, in 2018, um, I used to go to this one comedy club all the time. It's like basically my home club and I would perform there and do open mics. And, you know, I met like this one guy who, you know, later on found out he was like fucking super druggy and alcoholic and shit and, you know, mm. all these different things. And he was basically just like someone who would just use people for his benefit, you know, mm. whether it was to, to get drugs or to get into a party or, you know, use you to know someone that you know, you know. Mm. And, and I think I experienced a lot of that in that situation because I eventually started hanging out with him and his friends who were basically the same kind of people. And I wasn't like that at all. Like, I'm like, why? you know, it's just like, oh, I just met someone who's new and I'm in L.A. Like, this will be good. And then mm-hmm. it turned out to be, you know, a really shitty situation, um, which, you know, made me appreciate the friends that I have now a lot more, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that some of those bad experiences teach us exactly what we don't want. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. was really vital to coming to find your new group. That yeah. You have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you you know, you start to like look for like red flags and like because of what you've been through. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you know who and what to avoid now because you've been through that before. So. Right. But you don't want to lose your ability to trust or anything either. You want to be able to open up somewhat yeah 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 and I think that's been another like hindrance for me like in the dating world because I'm like "Eh, I don't know Mm. who I can really trust here in LA because like you feel like everyone moves here for like the same things and like you Mm. know honestly Mm -hmm. I I feel like the 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 most genuine people I've met in LA are people who are from LA um, because they like they've been living here their entire lives so they're not like here like and they're not in entertainment either that's another big thing is that they're not in entertainment so mm-hmm. you know they're from LA they they're over like the glitz and the glam they saw this shit their whole lives and they're also, right. you know so it's like yeah they're not in entertainment either so the, they're not trying to like, use you to like level up or anything so mm-hmm. yeah I think yeah the most genuine people I've met are people who already are from LA so that's good to know I remember there was a time where I was thinking about moving our family Mm -hmm. to LA to kind of do what you're doing yeah (laughs) and uh 
you know, I eventually came to the conclusion that I didn't think it was going to be a good fit precisely for the reasons you're talking about. It's, um, it's, it's a tough town, I think, to get, to get, um, and not just in entertainment or comedy or what, what have you, but really just like you're saying to just meet people who are genuine and authentic. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I think LA in some ways can be quite surreal to people who aren't used to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, just like the middle of nowhere Midwest can be quite surreal to people who aren't used to it. (laughs) So yeah, I, I can totally see how that could be a struggle, but I think now that you've had those experiences and you know where you're going and what you're looking for, it's going to be a whole different ballgame, especially with the people who are supporting you and in your life now. Yeah, yeah. Like you just become after a while in L.A., of course, like when you get here, just kind of like, you know, you're new. Uh, what do you call it? Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and like, <laughs> yes. yeah, it's like I'm in yes. LA. Like, this is where dreams are made. It's like, yes. <laughs> and then you start to find out really quickly. It's like, okay, this is not the shit that I saw on TV. This is right. not, <laughs> this is not what I right. thought it was. Like, <laughs> right, like exactly. And that's what I was scared of. I was scared that I would go to LA and be and end up like a couple years later being like, this is where dreams go to die. Like, this is this is I'm gonna kill myself. I can't do this like that's that was like the end result that I was like probably not good for me not good for my yeah. kids no um. I mean yeah <laughs> like it, it has like some really cool benefits like of course like great weather most of the time and like you know like you can take like a road trip like an hour or two out and be in like an entirely new place like things like that but like Mm -hmm. there's also definitely downsides for sure like i live like right next to like hollywood boulevard which is like basically the vegas strip of of, of, oh right yeah (laughs) and man it's just like it's so like i know like a lot of tourists go there with their families Mm -hmm. and all this but like Living here, if you walk down there, you really get a, you have a different lens of what the fuck you're looking at. Like, you know, you'll see like a lot of homeless people, (laughs) (laughs) like people like that are like drugged out and shit. It's like, Uh, damn, this is like, and I'm sure a lot of those people like moved here with like the same dreams and they just, and like life dealt them a different uh, hand of cards, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. so yeah, so it can, it can be really fucked up here. <laughs> so there's that reminder of constant failure outside the window. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I don't make it today, I'll be him tomorrow. He's eating out of the trash can. Yeah. That is terrifying to me. Yeah. Like I can't imagine. I mean, I'm sure, though, that people watching does kind of have its uh, perks as far as, like, writing comedy. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yes, definitely. Like, <laughs> like, there's so much shit to see here that you could just talk about, like, endlessly. Like, no matter mm. what part of L.A. you're in, you're going to see some weird shit. So, <laughs> like... <laughs> Right? <laughs> I, yes, I, I am looking forward to going one day because I want to have that experience, uh, yeah. especially since I am somewhat uh, sheltered, naive, um, somewhat, I mean, not so much anymore, but I did come from like a very small town in southern Indiana, uh, yeah. you know, like 7,000 people. Wow. So it's like, when I get into places like that, I'm like, what in the <laughs> hell? 
is this um like i i'm not as i know that you lived um in chicago predominantly and right outside of chicago and then you yeah. went to la and like i have never lived in big giant cities i've visited big cities and every time i go i'm just constantly petrified with like overwhelm i'm just yeah. standing there and there's noises and there's smells and there's <laughs> buildings that are taller than the sky i can't see the 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 sun and i'm like what is going on uh, so like for me when i go to la it's gonna be like what in the hell happened here like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, that's yeah. real though. I, I feel like if I didn't live in a big city before I came to LA, I probably would have been a lot more hesitant. Um, like and shell I, shock. Yeah. Yeah. Like what the <laughs> fuck is this place? Like, right. yeah. Like luckily I had visited LA like maybe like five times before I moved here. So I kind of got mm. like the gist that works here. Um, mm. And then something was like, yo, you have to be, I was at the comedy store one night in like 2015 or some shit like that. <laughs> and I had like, just saw a show and I was like seeing all these comedians that I follow on Twitter. And I'm like, they're standing mm -hmm. outside on the patio, like looking cool and like fucking talking and shit. I'm like, right. like I want to be this. I want to. <laughs> <Right. laughs> like I'm 20 feet away from this yeah, person. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was like the coolest shit ever. Like some, something said to me, it was like, you have to be here. This is where you need to be. And mm -hmm. it's like, but yeah, if, if I think if I was like from a small town, I probably wouldn't have come to LA. Like that shit is scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I never lived anywhere where the metropolitan area was bigger than 350,000 people. <laughs> and so I decided in 2020 when the pandemic hit, something came up like divine, mm. like intervention, like in my soul, I was like, okay, I have to move and I have to move outside of a big city. Yeah. And I was like, let's go to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I just... I something about that moment just overwhelmed all the fear and it was like you were saying like I knew I had to go I had yeah. it I had to be here and exactly like being at the comedy store it's like it's just <laughs> this like divinely inspired moment where you're just like this is it yeah yeah this is it yeah. this is my thing this is my place this is my this is my new home like this is it <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just like it just like gives you like that confirmation that you were looking for like like and and the crazy part is I'll almost miss my flight that night like to LA and I like oh. had to catch another flight like I was like and they were like yeah we can't guarantee we'll be able to put you on the next flight so I like sat in the airport for like four hours and shit and mm -hmm. I don't know but I guess the, the again like a very divine thing happened where I was able to mm -hmm. get on that flight and I like rushed to my hotel because I already had tickets for this show and like got changed really quickly <laughs> drove to the comedy store and then that happened after the show. It's like, oh, this was like meant to happen. Like, <laughs> mm, yes, exactly. That's yeah. exactly how it feels. And I'm an anxious person. I well, I don't want to say that. I'm not going to put that on myself. I am a person <laughs> who struggles with anxiety. I'll say that. And yes. um, for me, like moving cross country, any other time in my life would have been unthinkable, just not doable. And I don't know, it was just that divine thing where it just protected me, I guess, because I, we went for four or five months before we actually moved because it, wow. it's a process of moving, yeah. you know, and uh, once I got here, I didn't freak out. 
I, I didn't freak out. I thought I was, I thought for sure I was going to freak out. I thought, you know, once I get there and I'm in it, I'm just going to yeah. lose my shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then we got here and I kept waiting and I'm like, okay, I don't think I'm going to freak out. Like, I think yeah. I'm actually genuinely legitimately excited for this new oh. chapter. And like, is that how you felt when you actually left Chicago the first time and were in like landed in LA the first week or two weeks or month? Like, how did that feel? Yeah, it was actually kind of like surreal. Like I like Mm -hmm. have been like planning this trip. Like again, like I quit my job and within like two weeks I was in LA, Um, (laughs) which is like some, I don't know, that's like some 21 year old shit to do, but (laughs) I mean, I, I admire it. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it was like surreal I think I like finally like I think I I drove here which is like one thing like I drove all the way across the country um like fucking 27 hours split across three days um and then I was finally like driving into LA and I saw like the the uh Los Angeles like highway sign I was like fuck this is like real now like (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I don't think it really hit me until, again, I didn't have like a job or anything lined up. I like got like my first job here, which I had like been fucking trying for like weeks and weeks to like find something. And I got my first job. I was like, holy fuck, like I can actually like stay now. Like, like like, I don't have to like go back home and be like, yeah, I guess it didn't work out. Right. um, Because I was like, like running out of money and shit. I was like, fuck, like I might have to like go back home. And then I like. (laughs) And then a job called. I was like, fuck. Like, <laughs> and I like cried. I was like, fuck. Right? <laughs> yeah, you're like, shit, this is real. I can't yeah. make it. I'm going to make it. <laughs> Corey's out here like, how much do they pay male prostitutes yeah. these days? <laughs> like, what, what, what do I got to do to get some dough around here? <laughs> I got a couple of thongs. I can just uh, go and post on Craigslist. <laughs> right. I only got three outfits anyway. I can go naked. It's all right. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> all my shit's in my car yeah. i'm ready anytime i can just i'll be wherever you're at <laughs> like, give me 40 minutes <laughs> that's hilarious. oh my gosh oh my gosh like i just isn't that so cool though that you it's like you get this you have this moment where you're like Oh my gosh, I can actually make this into a life. This isn't yeah. just a dream anymore. Yeah. It's real. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that happened like 10 days in for me. Wow. It was like day 10 and I was like, "Oh shit. This is my home. This is my house. My kids, I live in Massachusetts. Do I even know how to spell Massachusetts? I don't know. I just been putting Boston on everything." Like Nobody does. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mass is such a, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, M A. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's abbreviate this. uh. (laughs) I mean, that's what I was thinking in my mind. Like, damn, I really, I really made it. (laughs) Yeah. But doesn't it feel like feel good though? Like you just like got outside of like your comfort zone, and you're like, fuck, like I can actually do this. Like we only have one life. Like let's fucking go for it. Yes, and that's what I always remind myself. Like I know every year there's one thing that I haven't done that I wanted to do, and it's stand up. And I'm I'm always telling myself like, okay, this is it. This is the year we're gonna go out. We're gonna do it. And um, I start to get apprehensive, and then I'm like, no, wait. 
you did move across the country. Remember how that felt? Like it was really scary and you weren't sure how things were going to go, but damn, wasn't that it? Like, wasn't that exciting and fulfilling and look at your life now? I mean, my life has been infinitely enriched in ways that I didn't know were possible just by making this move. And I'm sure your whole world and perspective changed like the moment you were in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Like you really just started to feel like things are like opening up for you because you took that, that one big leap, you know, like the leap of faith. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you just took that one big jump and it's like, okay, things are working out because I took that, that massive jump. It's mm-hmm. like, had I like been too afraid to do it or mm-hmm. whatever it is, it, you know, things wouldn't have worked out for me. But it's like the universe is like, all right, thanks for taking that step. I'm going to like open doors for you now. And like, things, yes. you know, things like really just start to happen for you, you know, like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, I know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I totally get it. And I think that the leap of faith is so important, especially for people like us who have the struggles with anxiety and the perfectionism yeah. and the the things that the imposter syndromes and the things like mm-hmm. that, because that was the moment we actually bet on ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. What, what was your, uh, what was your, did you have like a moment when like you like, I know you said like the feeling came over you like, fuck, I can actually do this. I actually made it. I'm in Massachusetts or. Uh, that- yeah. Um, you know, I don't recall exactly what I was anything important. I was just like, I think I was getting ready to go for a walk. And when I get out in yeah. nature, I get, re- I feel really connected to everything. Yes. When I'm out in nature, it's just, I just feel like everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Like we're all here. We're all supposed to be here. We're all in this together. I don't know. It's just this weird mm. cosmic shift I have in nature and I remember I had just kind of walked outside I think and I was out there and I just thought I was looking around because New England looks so different from (laughs) southern Indiana and Kentucky where I was northern Kentucky and I just thought god this is beautiful like this is amazing this it's 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 it it was I don't know I think so it was August so it was like maybe 75 out sunny, beautiful, gorgeous day. Um, you know, in Kentucky and Indiana at that time of the year, it is just horribly humid and hot and muggy and terrible. And I remember the drive up and it was awful. And, you know, then I'm standing here not 10 days later from all of that stress of moving and packing up my stuff, selling most of my stuff when I couldn't fit it in the U-Haul. Like, yeah. Moving my kids, that is within itself as an act of God. And um, (laughs) just getting here. And then I had unpacked and I went outside and I was just, it was just all, it all came together at once. It was like a moment of a million moments that just hit me. And I was like, wow, this is, look how wonderful my life is. And I've only been here 10 days. I've been enriched so much and just- 10 days and I bet on myself and I'm here yeah, and one. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't question. Yeah. I, I, and it was a, one of the first times where I didn't constantly question. Cause I think people with anxiety have a tendency to question, was this the right choice? Did I do the right thing? Is this going to go well? Is this going to work out? What yeah. if it doesn't work out? Yeah. Like, and so I actually didn't have that spiraling thought process. I just found myself in a whole bunch of gratitude and like a whole bunch of uh, abundance and I was just like wow this shit is new 
<laughs> this, this, this is new. I don't know what to do now that I'm not freaking out. Um, I guess I'm going to be grateful for this happening. Like, you know, and once I actually embraced that mindset and that shift from like being in my head to being outside and out and in the world and connecting and really hanging on to that gratitude for yeah. the most part, <laughs> things really took off. And I think that's when the universe is really responsive to you when you're in this state of like, I don't know how things are going to happen. I don't know how it's going to look, but by God, I'm open and I'll, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to try, you know? Yeah. And and I just want to say, I remember you were telling me that you were moving to mass and I thought that was like, so awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was like, so cool. Cause I, I remember you're talking about like LA and like, you're like, I want to move somewhere. I don't know where. And then you're mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm moving to Mass. I was like, man, I'm so proud of Sunny. Like, this is yeah, I just thought that was like such a cool thing to do. And especially like now hearing like the background of like everything that you went through uh, just mm -hmm. to be there. Like, I'm like extremely proud of like that move that you made. Oh, <laughs> yeah. thank you, Corey. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, this is going to sound, I don't know. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I... I am such a fan of yours truly Aww, like <laughs> not just your comedy but of you as a person like Aww. I would tell my husband stuff I would be like yeah so court like he knows you like, oh. <laughs> like, like he when I say Corey he knows who Corey is so um I'm like yeah I remember I remember when you told me you were moving to LA actually yeah. I remember um thinking like oh my gosh this is huge like <laughs> And I remember telling my husband, I was like, this is going to change him. And he's going to, he's going to make it Aww. like Corey's going to make it. He's so talented. He's so brilliant. He's so beautiful. Aww. He's, he's going to make it. And I remember when you moved and I thought of you because we're both from the Midwest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you, different versions of the Midwest. You lived yeah. in the big city. I lived in the country, small town, but it's still somewhat, there's still somewhat of a connection there as far as like in the Midwest, people are not really supportive of the arts or your dreams. Yes, I, I <laughs> agree. Yeah. And so, you know, coming from that background and watching you just say, fuck it. I can't do this anymore. I know I want to follow. <laughs> and you're almost 30 and yeah. you're going for it and I I remember watching that whole process and how that unfolded for you in LA too <laughs> and I just remember thinking like wow this is um, incredible like I have a living inspiration right Aww. in front of me and one of my friends and I've actually held that with me throughout this process like you've been a wow. huge inspiration to me not only in comedy, but just in the way that you live your life and the way that you make your choices. And I, I really do admire that. Oh man, I'm going to cry. You're welcome. And like, especially when you think about, um, cause like, I'm sure the audience would not know this cause they wouldn't, but I, you know, you and I just met on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I have no previous, like, and we've actually never met once in person. Yeah, really. We haven't. <laughs> no, no. And it's been just this friendship and constant support and love and, and just being there. Um, I mean, there, it, cause on, I know people don't always believe, but you can find community online too. For sure. Yeah. Like when I met yeah. you, like, there's just like this such of like natural, 
connection, like this divine thing that just happened where it's like, mm -hmm. like the universe just brings people together, like to be like, mm -hmm. you know, really good friends and like support each other. It's like, you know, I, you know, at the time we met, I was in Chicago. I think you're still in Indiana, I think. Yes. Uh, yes. So we probably never would have crossed paths because we're in two mm -hmm. different, you know, locations, but you know, like you said, like you can find your community online and you don't have to really go out and like go to coffee shops and try to meet people <laughs> and like, you right. know, so yeah, I think there's definitely a sense of community online for sure. I've met some really, really good friends online that I just hold near and dear, you being one of them for sure. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so, you know, Twitter and, you know, things like that can be very cool for like finding your tribe for lack of a better term <laughs> right. for, for, for to, to incorporate the bs stuff yeah, yeah. no and i no, i get that and i feel that so deeply and um you know and i want people to know that that you can find genuine authentic relationships people who are out there doing trying to do what you're doing um yeah. you know we're supporting each other trying to make our dreams come true and you know it doesn't have intensive relationship either right it, I mean like with us we we had periods where we talked a lot more and then periods where we didn't I mean yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with like what's going on in your life what's going on with me as a yeah. mom and all of that um but we've always like 100% we can always go back to each other and be honest and yeah. be like hey like what do you think of this or hey mm -hmm. can you know can I get some help here because I'm not really sure if this is yeah. working or like we've always had that dynamic in our relationship and I appreciate it so much. And I think that it's important for people to know that that's out there. People are waiting to lift you up. They really, yeah. Are. Yeah. 100%. And again, and again, going back to like your point, like even when the periods when we weren't as actively talking, we always knew that we could, you know, lift each other up. We were there like, Mm -hmm. You know, just because we weren't like, you know, uh, talking about like writing or whatever it was like every single day, mm -hmm. we always still had like that, that lifeline of each other to like, you know, be there as a support system, you know? Yeah. And it, it also goes beyond like just a creative support or a creative, oh, yeah. like, yeah. And I think that's what other people need to know too. It's like, we, it, we actually met as friends and then we yeah. realized we had the same interests and yeah. then we're like, Oh shit, this is really cool. Yeah. And then we kind of tried to be creative support. And then both of us have the perfectionism <laughs> issue. So, so, and like, but you did support me a lot with like tips and things. And um, one thing I do want you to know too, like, I feel like we're getting a little sappy here, but I love it. Um, I, I remember you reached out to me. Um, I think this was just a couple years into our friendship and you had seen some of my, um, I think I had gotten on Snapchat for a while Oh yeah. and you had seen some of my snaps where I had just like, was just fucking around, like just trying to make people laugh. And you messaged me and you were like, this is really funny. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, thanks. You know? And you were like, no, no, really. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to know that you're genuinely funny. This is not coming from just like your friend, Corey. This is coming yeah. from like professional Corey <laughs> who does comedy. And I think this is something you should really pursue if you're interested. Yeah. And, you know, that feedback, I had never had that feedback from someone, especially someone who wasn't like 
a family member who I thought was just saying it to be supportive or some, you know, I knew you, you really meant what you were saying. Mm -hmm. And that has always kept me inspired. And so that's when I really picked up on my comedy stuff was I I was just like, wow, I can't believe this guy who I admire so much who has this great talent thinks I'm talented too. That's (laughs) wild. That is wild shit. Yeah. no yeah i remember that that's like it that was just a reminder of you telling me that like holy shit i remember that conversation because <laughs> i remember that because i haven't been on snapchat in a while so it had to be like a while ago yeah exactly <laughs> um, yeah but yeah i remember that i was like you were like posting some really funny shit and i was like everything <laughs> else on snapchat is just like this boring monotonous shit and like mm-hmm. you were like posting some shit that like really stood out i'm like yo like if tiktok had <laughs> been around back then like right, you would be like right. at 100 followers like you know like (laughs) yes thank you I appreciate that like and I don't know at that time in my life it was interesting to do that kind of comedy but I I think now too I'm just ready to get into the real of it the real real yeah I'm ready to do I'm ready to do what the big boys do yeah you know so I'm hoping and I would love for you to come see me yes um, I will whenever whenever you can and I know you're supposed to be up here or you were I don't know if you're still coming but um yeah, my my I have a buddy who lives in um what is it? I don't know. It's Providence, I believe. Uh, so, Rhode Island. Yeah. Yeah. I, what, is it Providence? I believe it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm so confused about like Boston and Providence and Providence these... is that would yeah. be in Rhode Island. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks okay. for telling me. Yeah. The the, yeah. the geography of uh the whole Boston thing is just like. <laughs> yeah, you can just be like New England. <laughs> yeah, New yeah New England. Yeah, it covers yeah. everything. So. Yes. Exactly. Or like Boston area. Like, like a lot of people are just like, yeah, I live in the Boston area. Um, And that could mean like Boston or it could mean like an hour outside of Boston, you know, like, yeah, I live in the Boston area. Um, But yeah, I live about 45, 50 minutes away from Providence. So, okay. Yeah, definitely doable. Yeah, I usually go to, um, well, we don't hang out in Providence, but I think she lives in Providence, uh, my friend mm-hmm. Sasha. Um, that okay. was the only time, yeah, only time I've ever been to Boston was to visit her in like 2013 or some shit. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, any, anytime I come come to that area, we hang out in Boston, so uh, yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. Well, you'll have to come visit with me because yeah. I would love to finally see you after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? yes and i think we have a good we have a good um we have a good time like oh for sure (laughs) we have a good this podcast is an indication of that yes yes exactly (laughs) like we've been oh my god we've been on two hours oh (laughs) um so yeah uh with that i guess we'll have to (laughs) we'll have to wrap it up but yeah i just wanted you to know how much of an inspiration you were to me and i'm really thankful to be able to have you on the pod because i think that for one, um, you're very talented. And for two, the kind of work that you're doing in comedy, I don't think that people always look at comedians and immediately think, oh, they're healing the world. You know, (laughs) I think that sometimes people look at comedians and they're like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) um, you know, and I think it's really important that in the process of healing and humanity, and when we're talking about the human experience, comedy really is part of our lives everybody's lives yeah and i don't know in what form it is for everybody but it does it it, 
open experience. And so for you to be out there and living authentically and living in your dream and walking in your truth every day, that's an amazing feat. Oh, thank you, Sonny. And I want to let you know, I've not, I've, I've let you know, you know, via Instagram DMs and Twitter before, but you also very much inspire me. Uh, <laughs> thank uh, you. you know, like I, I've read your writing, you know, you're just a really good person and just like not on the creative side, you're great. And also as a human being, you're just a incredible person. So Thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast. I very much appreciate it. <laughs> you are welcome. And I I have one question I want to end with. Of course. And yeah. I feel like, you know, I, I'm sure we've, the audience has a good idea of the answer of this question, I think, but I want you to sum it up. I, <laughs> I want to ask, what has this path and stand-up taught you? Um, I think... Oh, wow. That's a great question because there's so many different things. I think the main thing that comedy has taught me is that um, we have one life to live. And mm -hmm. if there's some, if there's like a burning desire to do something, and you just feel very much drawn to or connected to something that that's a thing that you were put here to do on the earth. And that that's that's the way that you'll heal people. It doesn't have to necessarily be comedy. It can be pretty much anything, but mm. you know, whatever you feel the most connected to and that thing that you can't stop thinking about, that's the thing that, that you should be doing. And you know, the thing that will probably make your life like so much better as far as just like feeling goes, like, you know, um, when I'm not doing comedy, I feel like very like down and depressed. It's like, Oh, because I'm not doing the thing that I love to do the most. So Yes. You know, yeah. So uh, just to sum it up a li little bit, I think that um, comedy for me has just been like this really, um, really healing thing for me. And in return, I think I get to heal others as well. Yeah. Yes. And that's, yeah. that's what it's all about. Like, yeah. that's, that's the thing. And, uh, you know, commit to the bit like you said, <laughs> yeah. and then, um, yeah, I just commit to the human experience. And I feel like that's what you're yeah. doing when you're being true to what it is that you love to do. And that's what you're doing every day. Oh, so thank you. thank you for sharing your life with us and the work oh, that you do in comedy. Yeah. Corey, you are amazing. <laughs> and <Sorry>. uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and just thank you for being here. So, um, yeah, I appreciate your time. And this is episode. I think people are going to love, love, love this Aww. because we don't get to see comedy through this lens and we don't get to often see comedians like you uh, through this lens. So I'm really, really grateful for you. <laughs> oh, really thank you, Sunny. I'm grateful for you, you as well. So, <laughs> all right, you're welcome. Well, uh, that's about it, folks. So, thanks, Corey, for being here, and Sunshine Wilder will be back soon. Mm -hmm.